Thank you for joining us. Faith and Victory isn't your home. Please make it your home. Love to have you here. We've been going through 1 Samuel. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is what we do. We go through the Bible line by line. And one of the benefits and the challenges of going through a book of the Bible is that you don't get to skip over anything. So you read it, and then you've got to address it, and that's what we're doing today. It'll be fun. So 1 Samuel 25, we're going to be in verses 3 through 25. You can follow along in your Bibles. Um, starting with verse 3, it says, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city, and Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. And then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urm or by the prophets. And Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Please conduct a seance for me, and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spirits from the land. Why do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, do, do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man coming up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you, that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy and the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver, Phili uh, excuse me, deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day or all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands and have heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please heed, excuse me, heed also the voice of your maidservant, and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. So his servants together with the woman urged him, and he heeded their voice. And then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. And then they arose and went away that night. Whew. Interesting story, huh? Yeah. Yeah, man, this is, uh, this is one of those days where you hear a sermon that you probably have never heard before. Um, this isn't one of the ones when you're like trying to grow a church or look famous that you're like, let's, let's preach 1 Samuel uh, 28. That'll be really good. Here's witches and people coming back from the dead. This will, uh, it's a barn burner, man. You're going to love this one. Um, the, the story is really quite simple. 
God stopped speaking to Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. Um, and he stopped speaking to him and said, you know, nothing to him. And so Saul's frustrated because he's about to go to war with the Philistines again uh, with Israel. And so he gets afraid. So he's like, well, God's not talking to me. Let me go and talk to this psychic. So then he goes and talks to this psychic, medium, sorcerer, what, necromancer, whatever you want to call it. And it's a gal and she's there. And so uh, there's this thing that happens there where Samuel comes up out of the out of the ground, right? The spirit form and he comes up. And so then Saul is there and the witch is there and she's screaming. Saul's surprised and she's like, oh my gosh, you're Saul. Why didn't you tell me this? Because he was in disguise. And then uh, the Samuel speaks to Saul and is like, listen, dude, you're fixing to die tomorrow. I just brought me back from the dead. I thought I'd let you know, like you're going to die tomorrow. Uh, spoiler alert, that's next week. Saul does die. Uh, we'll get into that next week. Um, and so then from that, then the spirit of Samuel goes away and then the witch is there is like, well, that happened. You want something to eat? And... Uh, so I was like, no. And so they finally get him to eat some bread. It's just, it's a really wonky story, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot that's going on inside of that story. And, you know, many, many scriptures we could go through and literally we could spend a whole month just preaching different sermons out of this portion of scripture. But there's a very important part of this scripture that we're going to focus in like a laser beam today. And it's this idea of Saul and the witch, because it, it's so like outlandish that it's a, it's an opportunity for us to talk about some things that typically we don't talk about in Christian churches that are vitally and dire important for you and your spiritual walk. For you to be able to protect yourself from the evil that is trying to lead you away from Jesus Christ in this day and age. Uh, the, the reason why this portion of scripture is so difficult is because, first off, it brings up a dead spirit, right? I mean, it's, it's just not a normal thing in the Bible that you're reading along. It's like, oh, and then another person came back from the dead, and then there's another spirit that's there. Uh, because most Christians would think like, well, I thought when people die, they're dead, right? And we're not getting into Sheol and the two parts of the underworld of paradise and before the resurrection and all these other things. We don't have time to get into that. But I need you to understand that God is the author author of everything that happens on this planet, and he can do things however he wants to do them, okay? I spent a lot of time in the commentaries this week. Why? Because I want to make sure I'm not preaching you falsehood. And so uh, some, some people in the commentaries say that this was an apparition by the devil, that it wasn't truly Samuel. Some people say it was Samuel. Some people say that it was God. Some people say that, you know, it was the witch. Like they're, they're just kind of all over the place. But we have to remember this when we're, when we're looking at this story is that Moses and Elijah were at the transfiguration. Moses and Elijah appeared after they had been dead and gone. And so it's not exceptional for us to watch a story like this and then think like, well, where has this happened before? It, it's happened very minimal amount of times in the Bible, but it did happen. Moses and Elijah were at the transfiguration. Luke 9, Mark, uh, excuse me, Matt 17, Mark 9, Mark 9, 3 and 4. His clothes, Jesus, became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Um, that's a that's a pretty exceptional story, is it not? I mean, it's it's totally and completely uh, different. And, and for some of you that maybe don't read your Bibles enough, you might be like, wow, that's, uh, that's a little bit different. I didn't realize that Moses and Elijah came back. They did. They appeared to the transfiguration. So God, it's well within God's power to bring people back from the dead. Amen? Now here's another portion of scripture that some of you have probably never seen before because you don't read your Bibles enough. And uh, 
It's in Matthew 27, 51 through 53. Watch this. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You've heard about this, right? When Jesus was resurrected. The, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Watch this. Verse 52. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Verse 53. And coming out of their graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. How many of you, show me, how many have never saw that before? Come on, be honest. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? When Jesus was resurrected, it was so powerful in that city that people were raised from the dead and then they actually walked around the city and went and like had some donuts. You know what I mean? That's, that's powerful stuff. And, and, and don't feel bad. There was a lot of hands first service too. I didn't even see that verse until I'd been saved for about 10 or 15 years. I was like, what? Just kind of glaze over the fact that people were raised from the dead when Jesus was resurrected. This isn't the only story of someone appearing after death. Again, it's very rare in the Bible, but it has happened. And we can't discount this story just because it's exceptional. Folks, the Bible teaches that the dead come alive. And of course, our whole entire religion, our whole entire basis for what we believe is believing that a man came back from the grave. That's why we're Christians is because we believe that Jesus came back from the grave. And so is it not within the power of God to make Samuel come back from the grave to be able to speak directly to Saul? It's completely powerful, completely possible. Luke 24, 36 through 43, we're not going to read, but Jesus appeared to his disciples. He appeared in bodily form. He ate, the Bible says, honeycomb and fish. Praise God, Jesus wasn't a vegan. Amen. (laughs) Jesus ate meat, I'm going to eat meat. Hallelujah. He ate honeycomb too. He liked sugar and meat. Hallelujah. (laughs) I just read the Bible and do what it says. Hallelujah. This part of the Bible, folks, we can't just discount it as weirdness and move on. We can't do that. It, we, we, we've got to realize that this stuff happens. John 5, 28 through 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which, in which all... Beautiful. get it after service (laughs) who's next I'm just kidding John 5 28 through 29 and do not marvel at this for the hour is coming which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth seriously who's texting who's texting you is it someone from church if it's your wife she's in trouble all right John 5, 28, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. You're going to come back from the dead. It's what the Bible teaches. And so you've got to get, get in your mind as we're going through this story that this is real. Coming back from the dead should not surprise you. It should encourage you. It's real. Amen? Amen. The second reason why we need to talk about this, uh, the Samuel coming back and Saul is that it deals with the occult. 
And this is really the important part that we're going to talk about today is because this lady was a medium. She was a sorcerer. She was a necromancer. She was a psychic. Whatever word you want to put about it. And many scriptures talk about the evils of sorcery. The Bible is very clear that sorcery and, and those witchcraft is not of God. It's, it's, it's abominable to him. And so uh, an abomination to him. And so why does it seem as though sorcery was used? Read 1 Samuel uh, 15. It says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed rather than the fat of rams. Next verse. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Lock that into your brain. We're going to get back to that and say rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is in his iniquity and idolatry, uh, idolatry connected to witchcraft. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. That's Samuel speaking to Saul. We're going to get back to that in a minute. Look at Deuteronomy 18. Uh, Deuteronomy, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer uh, or one who conjures spells or medium or spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination. Abomination means God hates them uh, to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. The Bible is unbelievably clear that sorcery, witchcraft, spellbinding, all of that is not of God and totally and completely evil. Leviticus 19.31 Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Uh, it's, It's all within the scriptures. And, and so to some readers that read through this, you would just be going through and be like, wait a minute, I thought that God said that sorcery is bad. I thought God said that spells are bad and bringing up the dead is bad and anybody that does them is an abomination. And now in this story, it seems as though now God is using this sorceress or this medium to now bring up Samuel. Or did she bring up a Samuel that wasn't Samuel and it was an evil apparition? But it's very clear that the writer of Samuel, that uh, after Samuel died, it was either Nathan or Gad that continued to write the book of Samuel later on doesn't say a spirit of Samuel. It doesn't say an evil apparition of Samuel. The Bible is very clear. It was Samuel. So how is God using, using this evil witch after he says that it's bad? Now, <clears throat> stick with me. We're going to get to it. God is not using the occult in this instance. Watch this. He brings up Samuel in spite of the medium, not because of the medium. It, it's, it's the, the medium is not the one with the power here. And, and stick with me. We're going to put all this. I can't say it all at once. The medium is not the power broker in this story. God is. Saul, hidden in disguise, goes to this witch. And then Samuel comes up out of the grave. The witch wasn't the one that had the power. And I'm going to show you in, in just a moment here. God will use whatever means he uses to accomplish his will. God had stopped talking to his king. He had stopped talking to Saul. He said, you know what? I'm done with you. You can pray and I'm not going to answer. You can talk and I'm not going to listen. I'm totally and completely done with you. And so then Saul goes to go and speak to this witch. And then Samuel comes up out of the dead, right? So what's really going on? Why, why, why this secret meeting? Why the medium? Why, why the threat that comes from Samuel? The, the first thing you have to understand about this story is that Saul is under the judgment of God. 
And this, this right here, this moment is the culmination of all of the things that have been happening in Saul's life where his utter and complete destruction is happening. He's crossed over that now he's talking to evil spirits and witches. He's been pronounced that he's going to die. God has stopped listening to him. This was the guy that was God's chosen one as the king over Israel. And it's all coming together of just like a really, really bad movie where everything bad is happening at once. But this is the judgment of God. Think about this. That scripture we spoke about earlier, 1 Samuel 15, 23. Samuel is speaking in 1 Samuel 15, 23, where he says, Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Saul has been rebellious, and now he's walking in the fulfillment of that rebellion and actually going to a witch and practicing witchcraft. Samuel prophesied and foretold to... (coughs) excuse me, to Saul, and said, if you go to witchcraft, it's the ultimate in the rebellion, and Saul is in total and complete rebellion. Folks, you've got to understand that God will give you over to your sin. The judgment of God is not always destruction. The judgment of God is sometimes giving you over to that which you intended to do in the first place. Many times people find themselves steeped in sin and say, well, if God wanted me to stop, he would stop me. God hasn't stopped you. He let you go. He gave you over to your sin and now you're completely drowning in it and God is being like, this is what you wanted. You wanted to live in rebellion. You wanted to live in destruction. Look at how far you've gone. Now you're going to a witch because you've lost your faith in me. You've lost your trust in me. You're so far gone, you don't even realize it. Romans 1.28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Folks, the judgment of God is not always immediate destruction. Don't believe that God's patience is his permission. Don't believe that for one second. There are times when God will allow you to go through things or experience things. Don't think that because you're going through it, that God approves of it. It's not that at all. Saul wanted witchcraft. God used witchcraft and the spirit of Samuel to produce it. I mean, watch the story here. And we're going to get more into why this lady's a fake. But Saul Saul is going to ask of God through a witch. And and there's got to be a part of him that thinks like, there's no way this is even going to work. But he's so far gone. And God's like, you know what? I'm going to use this evil thing to pronounce judgment on you. Watch this. Even as Samuel comes back from the dead, Samuel doesn't tell Saul. Saul, you have a chance to repent. You have a chance to come back to God. God still loves you. He doesn't say that. He goes, you what, dude? You are so far gone, you're going to die tomorrow. That's that's what Samuel says. He says, you're so far gone, you're just going to die tomorrow. Your hope is gone. You're you're, you're not going to even make it at all. The witch wasn't even used by God. I believe that she was probably a fake. Why do I believe that? Verse 12. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. (laughs) There's two things that went uh, really wrong for this lady that seems to be making a living. First off, if she's so smart, how come she couldn't figure out it was the king in different clothes? Like she, the, the beginning of the story, she would, if she was all powerful, she'd been like, you know what? The evil spirits have told me that you are King Saul. She couldn't even pick that much up. 
And so then when Samuel actually comes up, she's like, oh my gosh, something's actually happening. It's kind of like, you guys remember that old movie Ghost from way back in the 80s? Yeah. Remember when Whoopi Goldberg and she was there and then the spirit came up and she's like, oh my gosh, I've been taking advantage of people for years and now it's actually happening. Yeah. All the young people are like, what is this Whoopi Goldberg you speak of? <laughs> it's an old movie, kids. Way back in the 80s, there was this guy with great hair named Patrick Swayze. He's making clay stuff, you know what I mean? They just don't make movies like that anymore, you know what I mean? But that, that's really what I think was happening in that moment is that I believe that she had been taking advantage of people because she was, you know, a false prophet. And then when something actually happened, it scared the you-know-what out of her, right? She was like, what is that? this? Like, this is actually working. God used her in spite of her. It wasn't her power because no one has the power to raise the dead except God himself. And what I'm talking about, I'm not saying I believe that Christians can pray over someone who has just died and bring them back. I believe that, but what I can't believe is that somebody can bring somebody out of the grave besides God. That's what I mean. Okay, I, I, I believe that we can pray over people that are dying and, and God can make them well. But, but I don't believe that Christians can call people out of a grave. Only God has that power. No one else. No, nobody. Okay? So what, what, what can we get out of this? Like we, we look at this sermon, we, we're like, okay. And, and this, is where, this is where I struggled this week as this is just what came out, man. And I was like, God, why do you want me to preach this? Like, why? Like, I, I, this isn't a message. And I'm like, this will be great or whatever. And it was interesting. After first service, someone came up to me. I kid you not. They came up to me and they said, you know what? I just want to let you know that this week, the Lord had me and my wife fast this week and pray against witchcraft in our church. And then this is the sermon. (laughs) And I was like, did "Did you read ahead? And they're like, no. So we just felt like that's what the Lord had for us. And, and, and we didn't know why. And then we come into church and like, this is the sermon this morning. And so would you believe that this is right now for today for our church? But there's a reason why we're, we're, uh, we're, we're preaching about this this morning. The first thing you've got to get out of this scripture is this. Is that the spirit realm is real. Yeah. The spirit realm is real. First uh, Colossians 1.16. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. The Bible is very clear that there's a spirit world. This, this world that you see, the firmament that we step on, is not everything that's being seen. There, there, there's a spiritual realm and a spiritual world that, that if you are even halfway saved, like you can see that there's stuff that is going on that is spiritual. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what the Bible says. Now, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and maybe even if you're not, you've probably had a time in your life where you've walked into somewhere and you could sense an evilness. And I know it happened to me a few times in my life where I've walked into a room where I've been in a, an outside space or a building where I just walked in. I was like, man, I got no business being in there at all. It was the, the Holy Spirit inside of me just flared up and was like, get out of there. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm going to listen to God. And I know that this is a place that I need not be because there is principalities in there that I want nothing to do with. Folks, do not pretend that, you, that only what you see is real and there isn't another realm that you can't see. Don't believe that for one second. Because here, watch this verse. 
Ephesians 3.10 says it's our job to fight these principalities. Our job. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. People always want to say, well, the church has lost its usefulness and they believe in individual Christianity. That's the most unbiblical thought that you could ever have. God needs his church. We collectively as his church, we've got marching orders from God that says the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. When we come together, we tell the spirit world and the unbelieving world that God is real, that his power is real, that he still saves, he still delivers, he still sets free. When public churches meet in public buildings, it shows the unbelieving world that the manifold wisdom of God is real to this lost and dying world. Folks, the Bible is very clear. There is a spirit of God and there's a Holy Spirit But it also says that there's a spirit of Satan and there's a spirit of this world and that there's evil spirits and there's principalities and there's all these different things. You can't uh, can't discount the spiritual nature of this world. You just can't. But you also can't believe everything that seems to be spiritual just because it has a Christian label. Hear me, church. You cannot believe everything that appears to be spiritual just because it has uh, uh, the, the word church on it. You, you can't do that because evil spirits can manifest and they can do evil things. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And folks, how do you test them? You test them against the Word of God. If whatever's happening spiritually doesn't line up with the Word of God, run. And if it's an individual, you're going to tell them, that, man, that is not of God. That is not in the Scripture and just get out of there man have nothing to do with it God is a spiritual God that does spiritual things but it will always line up with his word God is not going to go against his word and and here's the thing is that you in this day and age with the internet and with television you have to be so careful that you do not get sucked into bad doctrine just because something's on television just because someone's written books just because someone's got a big website does not mean that it's of God You have to test it against the Word of God. And people say, oh, you know, a pastor's so judgmental, and and, and why why doesn't he believe this? They think they're the only best church. We're not the best church in the world, man. There's a lot of churches out there that preach the truth. Pastor Jesse Bradley over at Grace Community, I know him. He's in the truth, man. That's a great church with great people that preach the true gospel of God's grace. But there's some churches that are around this area that just because they have the name church on it doesn't mean that they're of God. And so we've got to know the word of God ourselves so we can see what's of God and what's not of God. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Deceiving spirits. These are spirits that will come in and try to get you to believe doctrines of demons. And it will cost you everything. Pastor Crystal was preaching on Wednesday. Great sermon. You should listen to it. 
And people who don't know the gospel will get pulled into things that are not the gospel. And if you're not sure what the gospel is, please go and listen to the sermon from Wednesday night and you can see what the true gospel is. And there's three things she talked about I just want to touch on briefly. One of them was Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, if you guys don't understand what this is, the, 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 Gnostic, the, the, the Gnostics, and this is like first century Christianity kind of stuff, folks. Literally 2,000 years ago, this was stuff that was coming against our early church that wanted to pull people away from the Spirit of God. Gnostics believed that there was a deeper revelation that they had just understood, that they, that they knew something that other people didn't know and, and, and that God had spoken to them this new and deeper revelation. Sound familiar? If anybody comes to you and says, I have a new, deeper revelation that doesn't line up with God's word, slap them across the face and say, you're being a Gnostic. There, 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 there's, there's no like new, deeper revelation, some wooty booty kind of nonsense. You know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're up here barking like a dog, I'm going to kick you in the ribs. Why? Because there ain't no barking like a dog in the book. It's just not going to happen, man. So he's like, oh, God spoke to me to do this thing that doesn't line up with his word, but he gave me new revelation. I, what, I, no, no, that's not what the Bible says at all. I, I, there was a guy a few years ago that came to me and said he was supposed to marry this gal who wasn't a Christian. He said, no, no, God told me it's okay. I'm like, no, that's not of God. You're not hearing from God at all. And the Gnostics believed that everything spiritual was good and every, everything physical was bad. And so they spoke against things like, you know, church buildings because, you know, physical things are bad, only spiritual. That's such a lie, man. There, there's no power in this building, but it sure is nice to have somewhere to sit and a little bit of rain off the back of our neck, right? Another thing that Crystal talked about was antinomianism. And antinomianism is anti-law. It says that you, there's so much grace that you can just do whatever you want and, and you can't even lose your salvation and just, you know, uh, there's no rules, there's no morality, there's no law. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Grace does not win every time. That's a song. It's on the radio. You don't laugh like you got away with something wild. Are you kidding me? You need to get on your knees and repent to God Almighty that you've shamed yourself and gone against His Word. But these are things that are going through the Christian church today. Be like, oh, you're just under grace. It's fine. It's grace, grace, grace. Marsonianism. He was a Gnostic who discounted the Old Testament and the Gospels for being too Jewish. He wanted people to stop reading Matthew, Mark, and Luke because he thought they were too Jewish. And then, and I'm going to name names, okay? It's that kind of Sunday. It's like that, it's like that guy down there in the lower part of the southeast, Andy Stanley, right? He said people should unhitch their faith from the Old Testament. That's what he said. He said it. It's, it's, it's nothing different than people said before. That like, I don't know about you, but I've been getting a lot out of these Old Testament stuff we've been doing over the last year. It's deep in my relationship with Jesus. Doctrine of demons, man. Anti-Holy Spirit, anti-holiness, anti-Bible, anti-church, anti-worship, pro-sexual immorality, deceitful spiritual practices, social justice gospel, prosperity gospel, etc., etc. Doctrines of demons that seem good because they have an element of Jesus, but they are spirits. Folks, make no mistake, we are not secularists. We are supernatural spiritists. I believe in spirits and I believe in the spiritual realm. 
We're not, a, we're not living a non-spiritual existence. I acknowledge as a Christian the existence of demons, dark angels, evil spirits. I, I recognize that people can be possessed and that people can be oppressed. I mean, look, look in, in, in Acts chapter 19. And I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read this whole entire thing, but uh, you, you can do it for your homework. Acts chapter 19, 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them. The evil spirits went out of them. Pretty, pretty interesting. But that was Paul and he was in Jesus. And some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were also seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so also. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. The spirit realm is real. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Isn't it interesting? People say, oh man, you preach in such a way that people fall into fear. You should fall into fear if you don't know Jesus. It should make your stomach churn. Put fear in your heart to realize that you're living a life without Jesus that you could be destroyed by evil spirits. This became known. And then Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Folks, the spirit realm is real. Acts chapter 16, these, these men show you the way in which to be saved. Even demons know the truth. All want to pull you away from the true gospel of repentance for the forgiveness of sins based solely on God's grace. There's nothing you can do or will do to earn your salvation. Nothing. It is 100% him and 100% not me. I, I have to hold on to the grace of God and be forgiven of my sins. Turn away from my sin and turn towards God. And it's only Jesus that saves me. It's only Jesus that sets me free. You don't have to earn it. You have to receive it. You have to turn from sin to Jesus. Secondly, have nothing to do with occult practices. Nothing. Now, as Christian, and I don't know about you, I've never heard a sermon talking about the occult and, and Christian, uh, Christian occult practices. I've never heard one before. If you don't know what the occult is, the cult is the occult means supernatural, mystical, or magical beliefs, practices, or phenomena. It's spiritualism outside of the church. It's it's what the world does out there. Now now again, stick with me. Everything spiritual is not bad. We're spiritual beings living in a physical body. We believe that we're going to be spiritually raised up. That we're going to live a, a an existence with Jesus forever. We're spiritual beings, folks. Make make no mistake about it. But there's a bunch of nonsense that goes out in the world that we have to be very attuned to to make sure we do not get sucked into. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he said, uh, Brethren, regarding spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's what he said. If you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you have the Word of God inside of your brain, you can understand what the Spirit of God is and what He does and what He allows and what's of God and what's not of God. 
If you want to know spiritual stuff, read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse uh, through 12 through 14. It is a college course on spiritual gifts. And I will tell you, I believe it all. I believe in tongues. I believe in prophecy. I believe in words of knowledge. Why? Because if you don't, you have to tear pages out of the Bible. You got to literally tear pages out of the Bible. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go on what God's word says, but it's always going to line up with God's word. It might be a little bit different. Maybe you've never seen it before, but you know what? It's going to line up with God's word. Now, when we're talking about uh, occult practices, and I've got, uh, again, I've got to name some of these things because people don't understand this. The standard, the plumb line is the word of God. Okay. Anything that does not line up with the word of God or adds to the word of God or has another book is not of God. Okay. Satan worship. Horoscopes. Let me pause here for a second. If you are a Christian and you read horoscopes or describe to somebody else, be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius or I'm a Leo and I'm a, I'm a Taurus. That is occultism. Okay? You are not that. You are a child of the living God. You've been bought with a price. Don't shame God by telling somebody, well, I'm this astrological sign. It's all just fun. It ain't just fun. It could cost you your soul, man. Don't read it. Don't have anything to do with it. If somebody says, what are you? you say, I'm a Christian. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Seances, necromancy, communicating with the dead. And, and this stuff, there's a psychic over on Auburn Way, man. Pray against her in Jesus' name every time you drive by. Supernatural psychic phenomena. Real magic. And there's real magic. Not the sleight of hand, man. I love watching Penn and Teller and seeing what those guys do. It's, it, it's, it's all just hand games, but... There is actual real magic out there. Fortune telling, spell casting, faith in talismans. Faith in ta- a talisman is an object. People say, man, I just got to have this coin with me. I just got to have this ring with me. I've got to wear this shirt. I've got to wear this hat. I'm going to this job interview. I got to make sure I wear my, my, my lucky shoes. Folks, that is occult practices. Ouija boards, reincarnation, channeling, hypnotism, crystals, belief in powers or objects, rituals, incantations. And this includes all the other religions that are out there. Islam, Hinduism, Baha'i, Mormonism, Wicca, Voodoo, Juju, Sikh, Jains, Rastafarianism, Nordic Paganism, Universalism, Unitarianism, Jehovah Witnesses, Native American earth religions and on and on and on. They go against the word of God. They're not of God. They're an occult practice. Have nothing to do with them. I literally found a Christian ministry that does Christian tarot readings. They, they, They made their own cards. They take people to third heaven encounters. They, they, they perform spiritual cleansings, dream interpretation, destiny card readings, and they charge for it. Yeah. And they are approved by and endorsed by a very large church in Northern California that resides in Redding, California. Yeah. But people don't pay attention to this stuff. It's like, oh, it's got the word church. Now, now, if I haven't kicked over some of your spiritual cards yet, let me really make sure you get it before you get out of here, okay? <laughs> there is subtle Christian occultism that, that if this is you, just quickly repent. Be like, God, that's been me and I'm sorry, okay? Number one, looking for a sign. That's an occult practice, man. 
Matthew 16.4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah and he left him and departed. Christians will do this. They'll be like, oh man, I'm going to do this. I'm just waiting for a sign from God. The sign is get your face in the word and do what the word is telling you to do. I've seen so many Christians led, a, led astray because of a sign. Like, oh man, did you see it? the bird and the thing and it came up and the wind blew? That's God talking. <laughs> Completely contrary to the work of, word of God. And again, that doesn't negate the, the, the word of prophecy, okay? Prophecy, that's of God. You wait for the prophecy to come from the Lord. Don't seek after it. Secondly, everything is interconnected. Connecting, ran, if you connect random events in your head, that's magical thinking and that's not of God. Oh, did you see that? And then the car came and then it smashed and then it was red and it's the blood of Jesus. That's what it's got to be. Yeah, what happens is that dude ran a red light and you were watching. That's what was happening. But if you start to pull together these interconnected events, because people are meaning-making creatures, it's not of God at all. Interpreting events as God instead of going off the word as your guide is occultist practice. Putting God to a test. Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not test the Lord your God as you tested him in Massa. Incantations like spells. <laughs> if you think that a repeated phrase said over and over will force God to move, that is occultism. We pray and we ask Jesus, but saying, we ask you in the name of Jesus, we ask you in the name of Jesus, we got to do it 37 times, and then God is forced to move. Who's running the show here, man? That's not how that works. You can say it 37 million times, God be like, nope. That's a cold practices, man. Not at all, which isn't to say that you shouldn't pray. The Bible's very clear that we should pray. It's the phraseology that you think is, is, is the power, right? We pray to ask somebody to get healed. And I've seen this happen where people say, well, you've got to say chemical and frequencies and all that stuff. What are you talking about, man? My kid can get somebody healed just by believing and say, Jesus, heal him in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 6, 8, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask in them. Stick with me, folks. We're almost done here, okay? <laughs> this is a bad one too. There's people that believe in the power of a stage. Oh man, I got to touch the stage. That's the only way that God's going to be able to move. If I have to be in a certain room, I have to have a certain person pray for me. They're the only person that can do it. A certain pastor. I don't know why people think just because I'm the senior pastor that my prayers are any so more powerful than someone who's been saved for a week. We have the same Holy Spirit, the same measure of the Spirit inside. I, my, my prayers aren't, aren't any more special. But if you believe that I, my prayers are more powerful than somebody else, that's, that's an occult practice. Thinking that a certain song, a certain prayer, a certain location, a certain order of doing things... Isaiah 8, 19, And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards and who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they not seek the dead on behalf of the living? Folks, basically sorcery is idolatry because you're trusting something other than God. That's what sorcery is. It's idolatry because you're saying, you know what? God is not enough. His word is not enough. Lord, you're not enough. I've got to go to something else. I've got to believe in something else besides you because who you've revealed to me in your word isn't enough. It's idolatry. First commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Revelation 28, 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars have their part in the lake which burns with fire and 
and brimstone, which is the second death. That's when people say like, oh, well, I'm not a murderer, but are you a sorcerer? Have you been putting your faith in something else? Ephesians 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, none, but rather expose them. Romans 13.12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Folks, the only spirit you want in you is the Holy Spirit. He can renew you. He can deliver you. He can set you free. He can talk to you and he can talk through you. He is the seal of your salvation. He can renew your spirit and fill you. Jesus promised and he said, out of your belly shall flow streams of living water. And I want to tell you this morning, as you've heard this message, if any of it rang true, just repent. Just tell God, man, I don't know why pastor never preached this sermon before, but now I know I'm throwing out that lucky charm. I'm not reading that horoscope. I'm not doing that anymore. And just repent of it. God will forgive you and move forward in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Last scripture, 1 Chronicles 10, 13. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. Don't be that guy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Thank you, Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you've given your heart to Jesus or you haven't. And if you've never made a decision and said, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want that new life. And you want to do that for the first time today. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. In our church, what we ask you to do, we just say, man, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time today? Hand held high. Secondly, maybe you've been far from God. And when I say far from God, I always say not a bad weekend or a bad month. I mean, you knew the truth and you turned away from God and you started following a different direction in your life and you've been lost and you say, Pastor, I just want to come back. I want to, I'm going to fall into the arms of Jesus once again. I want to live, live for him and through him once again. And you need to make that decision today to say, Lord, bring me back home. We want to pray with you. If you want to make that declaration, would you raise your hand today and say, that's me. I need to come back to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lastly, you don't need to raise your hand on this one, but I pray that, man, this this message spoke something into your heart. Something something that 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 you are like, man, I, I need to repent of this. I've I've I put my faith somewhere it shouldn't have. Just repent. Ask the Lord. He'll forgive you. He'll set you free. Father, we pray as a church, as collective body, God, we pray that we would always trust in you and you alone, nothing else and no one else. No other spirit, no other practice, no other person, nothing except you, Jesus. Father, we pray, Father, that your life would be inside of us, that we would live that new life. We praise you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.